0: the story.
1: The man put his finger right in front of me as if he was scolding me and he said, you, you are a wild rose, but tonight the Lord is picking you and he is going to make you a sweet fragrance to many. And then I just completely fell on the floor and I saw like a slideshow of my life.
0: I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Well, Christine Sakakibara is an amazing woman of God. She was born in Brisbane, raised in Toowoomba, and has lived in Jerusalem for over 45 years. While there, she's lived through wars, terror attacks, and adversities of many kinds, and has even been awarded permanent residence in Israel due to her work in the community. She'll be sharing her incredible story with us today, as she has a chat with Eric Skadabo. Christine
2: Sakakibara, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you.
2: Glad to have you with us today, and I should say that Sakakibara is not a surname that you often hear in Queensland. Is that right?
1: That's right. Uh, When I went to Israel in 1975, in 1976, I ended up marrying a Japanese man, and uh, his family name was Sakakibara. And Sakakibara actually means a fruitful tree in a large field. So I always tell people that's why we have five children.
2: (laughs) Well, there's a bit of a story there. We're going to get to that, but let's back up and go to your childhood growing up in Queensland.
1: Yes. I grew up, I was actually born in Brisbane, but Mm -hmm. spent most of my childhood growing up and my pivotal years of education in Toowoomba, Mm -hmm. and actually... um, I lived in an Irish Catholic community and we lived on Chamberlain Street in Toowoomba. Most of our neighbors were from Irish Mm backgrounds and so I was raised by my Irish Catholic grandmother who uh, had come as a teenager from Ireland. So uh, my life was very influenced by quite a stern Catholic background and my entire education was in Uh, Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I never met a Protestant until I was 18 years old. Is that right? Yes. Wow. So uh, it was quite remarkable. It was a huge change for me when I left Australia to suddenly discover that the entire world was not Catholic.
2: (laughs) And when was that? When did you meet non-Catholics? I
1: left Australia in 1975 or actually in, in the late part of 74. And uh, I was going on an adventure. I was going to, I had three goals in life. One was to eat cocaine cookies in Kathmandu. The next one was to see the Taj Mahal. And the third one, I wanted to meet Liza Manelli. So I, oh, um, wow. I knew the importance of having goals, personal goals.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, tell us about those goals at uh, cocaine. How was that in the mix?
1: Well, that was just influenced by all the travel books I read, and uh, and I was absolutely infatuated with travel. Mm-hmm. And so after I left school, I ended up getting two jobs so that I could save enough money as quickly as possible so I could travel the world. And, of course, when you read all these travel books, you know, highlights are going to these exotic places and mm. having these exotic experiences as such. And so uh, it said the importance of travel is to set yourself goals. So I set myself these three goals. Needless to say, not all of them were achieved, but um, definitely God saw that I was on a journey searching. Mm-hmm. And I think that was an, a remarkable thing, how he ended up just taking my life and turning me around.
2: Well, we want to find out, how did he turn your life around?
1: Well, I ended up going to London, and um, there I moved into a two-bedroom flat with ten other Australians, all from the same school, oh, wow. Saviour's. Yeah, And there I began my travel and working part-time in London, and one day... One of the girls came home and said, I've heard about uh, a meeting in Soho in London. Uh, Who would like to go? And I said, Soho? Well, that was kind of like a very uh, bad district Mm -hmm. of London. I said, I'd love to go because I was just biting at the bit to rebel.
2: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: So I went there and knocked on the door of this particular address. My friends didn't turn up. And I was very disappointed, but I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead anyway. I knocked on the door, went in, and the door was answered by this woman with this ridiculous smile on her face. I thought, good grief, what's wrong with her? (laughs) And um, went in, and everyone was seated in a big circle, and um, there were like three spare seats. So I sat down, and everybody just kind of waved and looked at me with that ridiculous smiles on their faces and i thought what is wrong with these people <laughs> and right at that moment the door not there was another knock and in walked two men very very rough and they came and sat down next to me and um i thought i should be polite so i turned to the man next to me and i said hi my name's christine what's yours joe love joe and i said so joe do you come here often he said no love first time I'm here with my parole officer. <laughs> I just got out of prison today. Oh, wow. So I thought oh my goodness, I definitely have found the dark side here. Yeah. And right at that moment, out comes this man and he begins to speak and while he's speaking, he spits, he sweats, he cries, he puts his hands up in the air and I was fascinated. I just kept looking at him like I hope he's not going to have a heart attack or something. (laughs) And then he stops and he said, Now, we are not leaving here tonight until these two people give their heart to the Lord. And he pointed his two fingers at Joe and I. Hmm. And I looked at Joe and Joe looked at me and uh, we thought, how are we going to get out of here? And then we noticed that four well-endowed women just moved across the only door that you could go out and they were just clasping their arms together and um, eventually they all began to sing and pray and everything and so eventually joe says to me listen love we're not getting out of here tonight until we go up there he said so let's go up together So we stood up, and when we stood up, there was a shout. We walked forward, and the man put his finger right in front of me as if he was scolding me, and he said, You, you are a wild rose, but tonight the Lord is picking you, and he is Mm -hmm. going to make you a sweet fragrance to many. And then I just completely fell on the floor, and I saw like a slideshow of my life Mm. and everyone that I had hurt and spoken ill of and every pain I had caused, and I began to weep and weep and weep. Mm. And then when I finally opened my eyes, I was completely wet from all my weeping, and everyone was standing over me with that silly smile on their face, And I looked to the side, and there was Joe on the floor as well. And he said to me, Well, love, at least we went down together. (laughs) And then they pulled me up, led me through the sinner's prayer, and I gave my heart to the Lord that night. And that was the beginning of a journey and an adventure with the Lord that is ongoing.
2: Wow. And Joe obviously became a Christian as well?
1: Well, Joe, I never... Uh, sore again, mm. but um, I did return to the same place and uh, for another time, and uh, there I was filled with the Spirit. And after that, I just didn't know what to do with this experience, and I thought uh, I need to travel around Christian communities that are having revival, and I traveled around uh, all of Europe and offered my services to many communities, none of which wanted me. Hmm. One day, I met a hitchhiking nun.
2: A hitchhiking nun?
1: A hitchhiking nun. I actually thought she was a hitchhiker that was pretending to be a nun, so I was feeling a little indignant because I really, really needed to get a ride To Calais so I could return to England for my friend's wedding Mm -hmm. and so I walked up to this uh, woman and I said you know you're the poorest example of a nun that I've ever seen I mean where did you get that outfit (laughs) and she said to me with a very strong French accent but I am a nun and I said you're a nun what kind of a nun are you and she said well i'm a Le petite sir de jesus i'm a little sister of jesus and i said you mean to tell me there is a hitchhiking order of nuns and she said well we do more than hitchhike <laughs> and i said do you have this in england and she said yes so she gave me the name of sister constance the mother superior in london and so I then asked her if she wouldn't mind stepping back into the bushes so I could get a ride, which she did, and then I got my ride to Calais, went back to London, and after my friend's wedding, I went and knocked on the door of the Little Sisters of Jesus in London, and I said to Sister Constance, I would like to be a hitchhiking nun, and she said, well, dear, there's many other things you'll need to learn to do apart from hitchhiking. Mm -hmm. And so thereupon I began to be a novice in the Little Sisters of Jesus. And later uh, she called me back and she asked me, do you still want to be a nun? And I said, oh, yes. And she said, well, if that's the case, then you need to go to Israel. Do you have any money left? And I said, yes, I have a little. And she said, because we want anyone who joins our order to have an understanding of God's plan for Israel. Hmm. And I thought, what on earth? What kind of a nunnery is this? And she said that they believed that the state of Israel was a fulfillment of God's promise to his people, the Jews. And so I took what I had, joined a volunteer program to go to Israel, and made a commitment of three months, and at the end of the three months, I was supposed to return to London. But that three months ended up being over 46 years. Oh! Wow. And needless to say, I didn't become a little sister of Jesus. And I often tell people, God would have none of that. <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Christine Sakakibara, who's originally from Queensland but has lived for over 45 years in Jerusalem. We just found out how she came to live in Israel. Next, we're going to hear more of her story, including how she met her future husband and about some of the challenges they've encountered living in that part of the world. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is Christine Barra, who's originally from Queensland, but has lived for over 45 years in Jerusalem. Before the break, we heard how she became a Christian and then how she came to live in Israel. Now we're going to hear how she began to fall in love with the country and how she began to realize that this is where God wanted her to be. So what happened? Why didn't
2: you become a nun?
1: Well, uh, as I arrived in Israel, one of the things that struck me was that as the plane landed, everybody began to clap and shout hallelujah. And as they walked down the stairs of the plane, many of them just knelt down and kissed the tarmac. And I turned to someone, other young person on the plane and I said, well, I tell you what, I draw the line at kissing the tarmac. Hmm. I don't know what that's all about, but the one thing that totally struck me was how emotional and how moved people were about arriving in Israel. Yeah. And something just overwhelmed me, that incredible sense that I was coming to a place that was going to forever change my life. Mm -hmm. And that is really what happened. In those three months Was working as a volunteer on the northern border of Israel, on the northern Lebanese border of Israel, suddenly the value of life and the importance of life just became very, very real to me. Mm -hmm. As you could hear gunfire on the border at night and that there were times when we had to suddenly run to the bomb shelters, Mm -hmm. I realized that the people around me were fighting for their real existence. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, as a young Christian who had only began to really read the Bible and understand it for the very first time, the words of the prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Psalms began to just jump out. But of course, the promise that um, the people of Israel were given, that those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. Mm -hmm. And in you... Um, You will become a light and blessing to all the nations of the earth. All of those words began to have an incredible impact in me, Mm -hmm. on me, and I began to see that these people were the fulfillment of the promise that I will bring you back to your own land. Mm -hmm. And they took it very seriously. And they were restoring the land and tilling the land and toiling in the land, trying to restore a land that had really been barren and abandoned. And I realized that I'd become a partaker of their promise Hmm. that the Lord had given them. Yeah. So I just knew I couldn't go back to England after those three months. It was so exciting and it was so real that I called Sister Constance, and I said, Sister Constance, I think God is telling me to stay a little while longer, and I think I'll stay and learn some Hebrew and Mm. learn more about this country. And the first thing she said to me was, well, thank God, we knew you weren't (laughs) non-material. And so that's exactly what I did. I began to study Hebrew, and I Mm. actually began to live with a Christian community there, Mm. and uh, for a all over the world and I began to learn little things like even the word Isaac and Hebrew it's Itzach mm-hmm. which means laughter oh, that yeah, yeah. when Abraham told his wife Sarah that she was going to bear a son and his name would be Isaac you know she laughed
3: yep. and that's
1: yep. why Isaac is called Itzach and I began to learn all of these amazing things that I had no clue about. yeah. And so it really stirred my spirit and led me on a different path.
2: And that path led you to your future husband. Is that right?
1: I actually met him in the Christian community and um, he was he spoke Hebrew much better than me and he was actually studying um, Judaism and Bible at the hebrew university because his hopes were you know eventually that he would be able to teach it to other japanese pastors and mm-hmm. and teachers and so um i met him there it was a whirlwind romance mm-hmm. and we ended up getting married actually we um had our civil ceremony in the australian embassy and then we were married in a church wedding in mount zion and it was an amazing time of my life. Hmm. And it's like I grew up with the nation of Israel, and I learned things along with them. And, you know, many people romanticize this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. But the thing is, is that when you embrace um, the Jewish people, and when you embrace the truth of God's word prophesied to these people Israel, you can't just embrace all the good stuff. If you're living in Israel you also embrace their pain Mm. and their suffering and everything Mm. that they've had to go through. And so we had to pass through wars, terror attacks, all manner of difficult times and that became part of the journey. And it made our understanding of Israel more real, Mm -hmm. because you can't just choose the good scriptures in the Bible. Yeah,
2: Gotta take it all. Now, your husband, what was his original plan, to go back to Japan?
1: Well, uh, he thought he would eventually return to Japan, but he didn't. And actually, somebody approached him at the Hebrew University and asked him, would he mind changing his courses? because there were no Japanese-speaking guides in Israel. And would he mind changing his courses and uh, instead studying archaeology and history and modern-day history? And so he became the first Japanese-speaking guide in Israel. Oh, wow. And so that once again changed the path that we were going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, after he had finished his course, which was quite difficult, Um, because it was all in Hebrew. Um, Eventually he graduated, became a licensed tour guide, and uh, then he went back to his friend at the Ministry of Tourism and said, okay, I've got my license, I'm all ready, you know, what do I do now? They said, oh, well, we forgot to tell you there's one problem. Uh, We don't have any Japanese tourists. You now need to go to Japan and and, uh, generate interest in Israel. So for 10 years, we went back and forth to Japan, um, presenting Israel anywhere that an opportunity arose in uh, seminaries, high schools, universities, churches, wherever the doors would open. And eventually, interest began to grow and more and more tourists began to come and now in Israel, there are a couple of hundred Japanese tour guides. And, of course, um, wow, they the Church is very well founded now in the understanding of God's plan for Israel. Hmm. And so life has changed dramatically in Israel.
2: Yeah, so your husband kind of started that movement.
1: Uh, well, he didn't start it, but... Uh, it was the brainchild of the Ministry of Tourism, but Mm -hmm. certainly we were great participators in generating interest, particularly among the Church, because they just had never had an awakening or understanding that God's promises to Israel were being virtually fulfilled in a very living way in Israel. Mm -hmm. The desert was blooming. So... When we began to show them pictures and read scriptures to them, the church just got excited and they wanted to come and see it for themselves. Mm. And that's how tourism from Japan began. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, for you personally, did you know that you were going to stay there or did that just kind of evolve
1: over time? evolved. My husband was absolutely and totally convinced that he would live the rest of his life in Israel. But I was more well, let's just see how things pan out. Mm-hmm. But of course, now I realize I don't belong anywhere else. Mm. I simply don't fit anymore. Israel has become a part of me, and I'm part of them. Mm. And I'm definitely not Australian anymore. Mm. I'm a bit like a round peg in a square hole. I love everything about Australia, but I simply don't fit anymore.
2: Mm.
1: I've really become immersed in life in Israel.
2: Well, unfortunately, our time has run by. Can we invite you to join us again next time for another chapter in your life as we learn more about what it was like over these 40-some years to live in Israel?
1: I would absolutely love that.
0: That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Christine sakaki Barra. She was born in Brisbane, raised in Toowoomba, and has lived in Jerusalem for over 45 years. Well, as we heard, there's a lot more to her story, so we invite you to join us again next time for part two of this conversation. Meanwhile, we want to remind you what the Bible says about Jerusalem in the book of Psalms. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper, and may there be peace within your walls. Amen. Unfortunately, the reality is there's been much conflict in that part of the world that continues right up to today. So our Lord instructs us to regularly pray for the peace of Jerusalem as it has a special place in his heart. And sadly, Christine Barra has been no stranger to some of the conflict in that area. Next time, she'll share a gripping story about what happened when some neighborhood kids hit her child with a rock. Amazingly, God took what was a horrible situation and ended up turning it around for good. We'll hear that incredible story next time. Well, until then, when we'll hear part two of Christine's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: One day I was, my daughter was sitting on the front steps and she was just happily playing and all of a sudden the The young boys from the neighbourhood were coming home from school and they began to throw stones at her to try to hit her. And one of them did hit her and she began to cry and I ran out, grabbed her, brought her inside and then
0: I lost it. Christine Sakokibara has been living in Jerusalem for over 45 years. While there, she's lived through wars, terror attacks and adversities of many kinds. She'll share more about what it's like to be a Christian living in that part of the world next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.